You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hornets win. Yeah, yeah. The Hornets win. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know what we do. We don't win a lot. We don't get to celebrate these wins quite often. And so when the Hornets win, we start the episode by singing, baby. That's what we do here at Hive Hoops. Special guest with us today, Connor Sparrow of Carter Cast is with us. Now we look, we've had the one half of Carter Cast. Right. Now we're getting the second half. Connor, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I really appreciate appreciate you having me on. You know, there's not many, not many times this year we've been able to celebrate a Hornets win like this. So it feels good being able to come on after a win like that, you know? I know, man. Like, look, these are good times because most of the time we're just sitting in pain, yep. you know, reminiscing about the disaster that this season has been. But then now you got to come on. You got to hear me sing live. I know. All right. Bless. Bless. Everybody else got to wait till the morning at least to hear this. <laughs> okay. But look, the Hornets haven't done much. I know there's the big hole, you know. Should we be happy when this team wins? Hell right. yeah, we should be happy when this team wins because they're not going to win often enough to make things, you know, too dicey. At it, worst, yeah. and it's, it's a little, it's a little depressing to cheer for losses. You know, like oh, I want to cheer for this team to tank. Like I get it. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, but like you don't want to do that all the time. Like the exactly. only team, like the Hornets aren't catching another team in the standings. No. Like, the Magic are going to clear the Hornets. It's fine. Let's be happy. Yep. All right? So that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Hornets-Hawks game, the win that just occurred. It's been an entire weekend now. All right? We've had time to, you know, really dissect and look into maybe uh, a little bit deeper into the trade deadline. Going to get Connor's thoughts on that. Mark Williams has now started three games since the Mason Plumley trade. Going to kind of break into that a little bit and really look into how Mark has been playing. And then we're going to finish by ranking the current Hornets that we're most excited about. The ones that we, you know, peering into the future, looking into the glass ball and seeing which Hornets we really uh, are into and excited for into the future. So Connor, just going back to the front, Hornets just beat the Hawks 144, 138 high scoring game. My goodness. But then now that brings the Hornets to three and one on the season against Atlanta. And so three out of 16 wins have been against the Hawks. Got to make you feel good against the I-85 rivals, right? It does. It does. And I would gladly trade all three of those wins for a play in win last year, but you know, here we sit. The game tonight, I knew it was going to be high-scoring, fast-paced. There was eight 20-point scores. How many times has that really happened? Yeah, unreal. In You know, Gordon Hayward, 26-5 and eight assists on nine for 12 shooting. You know, this is kind of what we wanted whenever Hayward got signed to this massive deal. It was a good win. And it's always fun to watch a Hornets game whenever they're actually making shots, you know? Like that's that's the kind of that's the kind of team they need to be. Like when they play fast paced, push the ball, Lamelo pushes the tempo. That's when they're the most fun to watch when they're moving the ball like that. And we haven't gotten a lot of that this year. Always great when you can see Trey Young 
get that oh, yeah. big fat L handed to him by the Hornets. It's I, I can't even imagine being a fan of this team and being upset after beating Atlanta. It's just so much fun. I love yep. sending Atlanta back, you know, with that loss. It just feels so good. So many 20-point scores, like you said, eight of them is just ridiculous. I believe the Hornets uh, – did the Hornets have four? Four, yeah. So Hayward, P.J., Rozier, and uh, LaMelo, yeah. And Mark yeah, Williams and at LaMelo, 30. You're 30 and right. 15. I can't wait to see somebody's tweet about this was the first time since so-and-so that a player scored 30 points, 15 assists on 60-plus field goal percentage, hitting six yep. threes. It's going to be out there. Some somebody's going to do the do the homework. Somebody's oh, yeah. going to do the research, and we're going to get those tweets. It's going to be wonderful to see all of that. Um, yeah, I mean, this game really came down. The Hornets hit shots. They did at la- dead last in the league from three, is what the Charlotte Hornets are coming into tonight, and then to hit twenty plus threes. And to down the Hawks, that's really what this came down to. Uh, like you, uh, you know, basically stated already, multiple contributors. I mean, not many times you're going to allow 138 points and win a basketball game. Yeah, and so Atlanta's got to be yeah, kicking yeah. themselves because they're sitting there. We scored 138 points and lost a basketball game in regulation. Yeah. Not even overtime, but in regulation. Imagine saying so, that 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. That's just – that's unreal. So, great win by the Hornets. What about LaMelo? Yep. 30 minutes to Atlanta in the in, in the post-game uh, interview with Ashley Shamady. That's all he knows. I mean, you know, he, he's not like the common folk who have driven the however many hour ride it is from Charlotte to Atlanta. He's only been on a plane. He's from L.A. He doesn't know anything about that drive. So, he knows I mean, nothing – about this hilarious. East Coast life. It was hilarious, but I can't really blame him because that's all he knows. It was the perfect just example of the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, And like to LaMelo, that's what the trip to Atlanta consists of. Yep. You literally go get on the plane, you go up, and you come immediately back down. You're there, hop, skip, and a jump. That four-hour drive <laughs> down I-85 means nothing to him. He knows nothing of it ever. And so a lot of people, there was a lot of discussion right after. People were like, did LaMelo really just say Atlanta's 30 minutes away? Yeah, to him it is. Yeah. There's never been anything else. And so that was that that was a good moment. That was pretty funny. Jumping in or back into the trade deadline discussion. So we've had an entire weekend now to kind of sit and sift through what the Charlotte Hornets did at the NBA trade deadline. Connor, I want to get your thoughts Basically, what did you think of the Hornets' moves? Well, my first gut instinct was this disappointment because there wasn't any major blockbuster move. But then I took a step back and I was like, we're talking about the Hornets. They're fighting for last in the conference. It's not a 2K simulation. So as a fan, I kind of have to take a step back and be like, what's the direction they're going in? And I will start with a positive. I think a positive was dealing away Mason Plumlee, you know, you can talk about the return that the Hornets got for him. Sure, that can be argued. But the fact of the matter is that they're moving towards the youth movement. They want to give Mark Williams 30 minutes a game. They want to give Nick Richards those backup center minutes. And I think that's the right move, especially for a team that's almost dead last in the league right now. So that was a positive. 
I will say the whole Reggie Jackson buyout move, like I don't think Reggie Jackson fit this team, but it almost feels like they could have gone elsewhere to get something else for Plumlee. I'm not sure. He played. He was playing out of his mind this year. There was stretches. He was the second best player on the floor, and I've never been a Plumlee fan. And he was playing out of his mind this year, shockingly so. I knew there was no chance to re-sign him, so I'm glad they dealt him. What do you think about the Plumlee trade? We'll start there, I guess. So the Plumlee trade, I was fine with it on all facets. Um, I mean, on a day where teams were just shilling out four and five second-round picks for just anybody. Josh Richardson, you get four. Jay Crowder, you get five. Uh, Sadiq Bay, you get five. It was like a, it was like the Oprah Winfrey meme, you know, <laughs> like everybody's just getting all of these yeah. crazy seconds. And so, like when you saw that the Hornets only got back one for Plumley, you know, a lot of fans across fan base was like, "What is this? We're not even." Yeah. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, "Guys, guys, if this had been nine months ago." you would have been singing the praises of the Hornets for getting anything for Mason Plumlee in return and not having to attach something to him. Yep, exactly. Like, don't be too greedy. The p- sole purpose of the uh, Mason Plumley trade was to open up those minutes for Mark Williams and Nick Richards. If you could get something back in return, perfectly fine. Uh, Reggie Jackson was never going to be a part of this team. It was just salaries. I think what took place, and we actually talked about this on the last uh, podcast of or episode of Hive Hoops with uh, Matt Spawnauer. He, uh, the Hornets seemed to like back themselves into a corner by waiting too long in order to deal some of these pieces. Now, I don't know how big that market was for Plumlee in the first place. I don't think it was very large. But the fact that when, if you hold on to a player for too long, all of a sudden you start to lose some of your negotiation wiggle room. Well, they know you're like, desperate we to get know rid of him. you want to get rid of him. So why were we going to overpay? Right. And at the end of the day, he's an expiring. Is he going to re-sign with the Clippers? Who knows? So it's a rental. They probably shouldn't be giving more than two seconds at the most i was fine with the one yeah i agree with that completely the one that really stuck out to me was the mcdaniels trade this one kind of threw me for a loop because with plumley i was like okay you're opening up the minutes and you, you said it pretty pretty nicely getting anything in return for him nine months ago would have been a heaven sin so the mcdaniels move though hell it, it wouldn't have even been nine months i know i didn't mean to cut you no, off you're good not you're even good. nine months I mean, Plumley. nobody was still on this Plumley. Like, all of a sudden, the fan base was singing <clears throat> Plumley's praises. But that wasn't right. happening back in November. Right. That wasn't even happening in early December. If you had said that the Hornets were going to get a single second for Plumley, even two and a half, three months ago, people would have been like, do it now. Don't think right. about it. Don't think twice. But all of a sudden, he starts, you know, rebounding. And yep. finishing at the rim instead of doing that whole like going up at the rim and kicking it out to somebody because he was terrified to go to the free throw line or yep. to just not be able to finish. Like everybody would have loved it, but all of a sudden he starts doing those things and fans got greedy. But anyway, yeah, back back to McDaniels. My fault. Yeah, no, that was that's a good intervention. The McDaniels thing, though, do you think Mitch Kupchak and the Hornets just are addicted to second round picks? I Is definitely that- think Mitch Kupchak. Uh, has uh, something going on with second round picks. I because ain't, I ain't gonna lie, 
to their credit, they've hit on some. The Martin twin, or you know, the one Martin twin, Devontae Graham, Jalen McDaniels, even JT Thor to a certain extent. We'll see. They've yeah. hit on some of these second round picks. Bryce McGowan's looking pretty good. McGowan's is looking like a dude. But the thing with that is, so you hit on McDaniels at 57. That's a win. But now you're giving him away for like another few chances. I know he was on a contract here, and I know you'd probably have to pay him. Why couldn't he be part of a rebuild? He's 20, He just turned 25, averaging 10.5 points, five rebounds, over two assists, over a steal a game. 30, you know, I would say career average, 35% three-point shooter. He dipped a little bit this year. Why couldn't he be part of a future rebuild? How much money is he really going to command? You know? Yeah. I. So I was thinking that he was going to land personally somewhere in that Cody Martin range. Okay. Eight to probably 10. Maybe he could get up to 12 mil if a team was really enamored by him. But thinking somewhere 8 to 12 mil, 12 being on the high side for sure. Yeah. Probably landing somewhere in the middle. I was thinking that's probably what he was going to get. And after, I guess, the team started looking at who they've already paid, Terry Rozier, Cody Martin, LaMelo's extension coming up, uh, PJ Washington's extension coming up. We'll get to this in a little bit. Miles Bridges all of a sudden possibly being in the future plans of the Charlotte Hornets. When you start looking at all of those things, you're just – we can't keep this in t- this same team. My thoughts were we should not keep this same team. That's this true. same team cannot take the court next season. And so some of these guys have to go. And it felt like Cody Martin's trade value is all gone due to his injury. He hasn't played since he signed that contract. Not for real. Yeah. And so any trade value that he had or any interest over the summer that maybe some, you know, opposing NF, uh, NFL, NBA franchises possibly had in him, that's kind of gone to the, what uh, you know, to the side. And so not going to be able to move him. And so when you look at it, if you're choosing between P.J. Washington and you're choosing between Jalen McDaniels, I'm picking P.J. Oh, yeah. Every day of the week without a, without a doubt. Because I I didn't think that the Jalen McDaniels like I know that there were a lot of people they're like well you you drafted him you developed him he started being a you know a rotation player just to trade him away for another shot at maybe drafting another Jalen McDaniels I didn't see it that way like this team's won fifteen games true and so if I'm bringing back a Jalen McDaniels a PJ Washington Terry Rozier another injury-plagued season of Gordon Hayward and Cody Martin and all of the rookies and the sophomores that are on their, uh, you know, rookie contracts. What, what What's this team going to be next season? Well, okay. there, there, there lies the problem, though, because if they're going to keep the same roster, I get it. So maybe McDaniels is a piece that needs to be switched. Fine. But isn't it Gordon Hayward? Isn't it maybe a Rozier or a Kelly Oubre move that really is going to get this team turned around? I mean – McDaniels is mar- in the margins, yes, but it's not going to be another 10 or 15 wins. I, now, I'm not mad about this. I've never been a McDaniels guy. For as many people as watched Hornets basketball, we've watched so many, so much games. When he gets the ball, he has that tunnel vision sometimes. He gets the rebound. It's almost like, you You're know what? terrified when he puts the ball on the floor. Well, he puts his head down. It's almost like, I've earned this. I just got to stop. You know what? Screw it. I'm putting up a shot, even if it's a fadeaway mid- mid-range with 13 seconds on the shot clock. 
that's a little frustrating. And, you know, I know it's a contract year. He's trying to play his way into some money. I wasn't mad about that because he would really just, he would cause the offense to be stagnant at certain points. So maybe he wasn't the right guy. Yeah, I hear you when you, you know, you mentioned Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. You know, those were the big moves that you would have liked to see. There were no yeah. Gordon Hayward takers. That's oh. that, that's a pipe dream, of course. Doesn't shock um, me. But then when it comes to Terry Rozier, I think that was the next big domino. And I truly think that the Nets deal uh, with um, the Suns and then the Lakers three-team trade, you know, I those were the landing spots, right? Yeah. That's where you could accrue like top assets that are desirable on the market that you know are available and be able to obtain those in a swap for Westbrook, but that didn't materialize. And so whenever the Lakers traded for D'Angelo Russell, that went away. And it seemed like that was the one spot for Terry Rozier. And so this team, I mean, Mitch Kupchak gave him a four-year deal for a reason. You know, it was on purpose to be a leader, to be a veteran uh, guy in the locker room. And I know that frustrates a lot of Hornets fans. I also think that the Terry Rozier, LaMelo ball backcourt, like that whole experience needs to go away. But at the same time, like, I get it. Like, the guys seem to really enjoy each other. They seem to get along. They seem to, you know, like each other. Mm -hmm. And Terry seems to want to be in Charlotte. And he... You know, and maybe that's easy to say when you're getting paid 23, 24 mil. You know, I'll be in Charlotte right. 23, 24 mil, right? Right. But I I think that the team valued Terry more so than what they could get on the open market, or not the open market, but at the trade deadline. So I, I think that was always kind of one of those things, too. So moving off of Jalen, I don't think anybody should be frustrated. And one of the things that's gone under under the radar – this second round pick, I know that there were two that the Hornets received, netted one because they sent out a 2024 second via the Knicks in the deal as well. But the second round pick that the Hornets are getting back from Jalen McDaniel's deal is their own. It's a it's the Charlotte Hornets' 2023 right. second. So it's going to be a top 35 pick. Yeah. And so all second round picks aren't made the same. And so oftentimes when these second round picks are being exchanged, nobody knows where they're going to land because like in the Plumlee deal, a 2028 second, we don't know how these teams are going to fare in the future five years out, but we right. do know where that 2023 second via the Hornets is going to land. And so in a deep draft, I know a lot of people were wanting a first for Jalen McDaniels. Because they're like, well, he's a second. He's outplayed his, you know, his draft position, possibly getting a second deal. Give me a protected first-round pick for him, and yeah. I'll be happy. In a deep draft, that's probably I'm – not, I'm not a cup-check apologist. I believe that he deserves quite a bit of blame for where this team is currently. But when you look at that second-round pick in a deep draft – Cupcheck may have been sitting there thinking to himself, this is basically a first. Yeah, that's true. Because you look at this year's draft, like you said, he must really like it. 
there's going to be first round talent through probably pick 40, 45. Like there's going to be dudes in this draft. So when you look at it like that, I mean, that's you definitely spun it more positively. One more thing on the Rozier thing, though. I'm glad they didn't give him away for nothing. I'm glad they didn't force it. And I'm glad they weren't like, okay, we have to make this move to get it done at the deadline, you know? Because think about this. Two years ago, before the Hayward injury, this team was sitting at the fourth seed for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is the you know the same roster of guys, obviously a couple of years later, but the same core pieces pretty much. So I'm sure in Mitch's mind or whoever's mind, maybe we get back Miles Bridges from a basketball standpoint, and they're like, that's the same team that was the fourth seed a few years ago. And exactly. you know, the East the East is considerably better than the Eastern Conference is. But it's hard to shy away. Like, you don't want to give away Terry Rozier for 50 cents on the dollar and break up that core that was fourth seed. And that and that scares me to say. Yeah, no, I think what you just alluded to is good. And that's where we're actually going to head next. Mitch Kupchak gave his media availability following, uh, you know, the trade deadline. Okay. And a lot of people got upset because he didn't come out that next day. I know Will Kunkel, you know, he came out and, you know, Kupchak's not going to you know, have a post-trade deadline interview or media session, media availability. Yeah. And so a lot of fans just, like, went crazy because the Hornets didn't do what they wanted. They didn't have that big swing move where moving Terry Rozier, moving Gordon Hayward, anything like that. But the very next day, Mitch comes out, and Rod Boone ended up breaking the reason why Mitch didn't come out the day prior is because the deals had not been actually gone through yet. Yes. And so you can't speak on deals that actually had not gone through the entire transaction. And so that's why Mitch didn't speak, but the very next day he did. So that was overblown. All right. Mitch, like I just said, Mitch deserves plenty, plenty of uh, blame for where this team is. But that wasn't one of those moments. I don't think this trade deadline was either. But he did say something that I want to get your thoughts on. Okay. I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have uh, this quote in front of me currently. But he stated that this summer, going back to what you just said prior about not breaking the band up, basically, when the team was the four seed for multiple weeks, when Gordon Hayward was healthy, Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier, LaMelo, all of them playing well. He stated, as far as vets go for this summer, that he envisions bringing some of them back, if not all. Where do you land? How does that hit you when it hits your ears? Does it hit your ears the same way that it hits mine? I just kind of want to see like where you are at on all that. Well, when it first hit, hits my ears like that, we kind of mentioned it earlier, something hasn't been working. And you can say it's due to the Miles Bridges situation. You can say it's due to Hayward's injuries, all this all this stuff. Something's not working. So to say you're going to bring back almost all of these core pieces, to do what, though? It's, it's a much stronger Eastern Conference than it was two years ago. And these core guys, they're for whatever reason, they're not getting it done right now. They have 15, 16 wins this year now. For whatever reason, they're not getting it done. I don't want to be doomed to mediocrity as a Hornets fan. And that's what we've been over the last however many years. Like it's doomed to mediocrity and it's been much of the same. We're fighting for the eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 seed every single year. Why would you bring all those guys back? Like, it's not like they've been competing and they're like, Oh, we're first round exit. Like we're one game away from making the second round. No. So it, it, it almost, it almost, it really upsets me honestly, because 
I'm not saying go out there and blow the whole team up, but something's not working. And it's got to be one of those core pieces is the reason why. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this, man, I sound like a Mitch lover tonight. And I don't <laughs> like it because I'm giving him I'm, – I'm, I'm excusing what he did at the trade deadline – and I'm about to excuse him again here. And okay, I, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. No, I want everybody to know first that I think the Gordon Hayward signing has set this team back all four years of that contract, at least the three that we've been already. Until Gordon Hayward and his contract are off of this team, this team will not experience what they wanted to. And I, obviously that's easy to say now, but I've been tooting this horn. I've been on this hype train since it happened. That was Mitch. That was Mitch. He yeah. signed that deal knowing that Gordon Hayward had the concerns that he had. Mitch has stunted the, I guess, depth and formidability at the center position. I mean, there it, it looked as if there were people and you know, players and pieces that could be added to this roster to, you know, revamp that position over the past few seasons that could have been inserted immediately and and you know injected, you know, some some oomph to this team. The, the name Miles Turner has been exactly. brought up so many times. Yeah. I mean, so many times. And like it just felt like you could have pulled that those strings and and, and you could have you know, you could have done those things and he hasn't. He's just like been like the most patient person ever. And it's yeah. annoying. But I'm going to say this about Mitch and his little comment about bringing back some, if not most, of the vets. I think he's going to bring back some for sure. Because some of those vets on this team at this point, that's a PJ Washington. Okay. And that might be a Kelly Oubre. All right. I mean, it is a Kelly Oubre. I wouldn't be surprised with Kelly Oubre having the season that he did have where he was playing hit probably quite possibly the best basketball of his career, mm -hmm. you know, and then coming out and saying that he wanted to be here, even if he's not playing starter role, which I hope he's not because we see what this team is when he is playing those amounts of minutes. But right. if he can come back on a one-year, two-year deal, I wouldn't hate – it I wouldn't like it or love it either, but I wouldn't hate it. If the guy wants to be here, he wants to be a veteran presence, all those things. He can come in, hit some threes, attack the rim, give you some stuff. I wouldn't hate it. But what I'm banking on or what I'm going to give Mitch the benefit of the doubt on here is that by saying I'm going to bring back all of these, maybe he's trying to whip up some trade value on some of these guys you yeah. know, say, you know, these guys are, you know, they're pieces, they're pieces, like they're yeah. dudes, you know, like we were, we did win 43 games last year. And like, we were on the, you know, right there on the cusp of making the playoffs. Like we were just too injured. We were just had too many issues. Happen. Just, just 40 points away in the Pacers game. That's all. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and I mean, nothing big, nothing big. Yeah. And so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to lean on the sum word more okay. so than the all being reality and that the all was just a way to say, oh, we actually want these guys. I don't think <laughs> here's the sad thing by you saying you actually want these guys. I think the rest of the league says, 
have at it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You can try to play your games if you want, like, but like, oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah. You, you got it, man. So, I mean, I don't know if that made sense to you or any of the listeners. I think it does in my mind, but like, at yeah. the end of the day, like, it's just one of those things like, okay, if, if you want to talk yourself into these guys actually being true assets, go for it, big boy. Let, let me spin this on you real quick. Go when for do it. You, when do you start to get worried at the Hornets' mediocrity? When, what you know, when it comes time for Lamelo's extension, what if he's like, screw the max money? I can make more in a bigger city with these endorsement deals or whatever in a, in a bigger market. And he's like, screw it, the Hornets aren't going anywhere. H- how soon is that going to happen? Like, do you think he signs the extension and then asks out? Like, how? I'm worried that they're if they, if they keep being mediocre like this that he's going to want out. Everything rides on the 2023 NBA draft. That's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the draft and possibly the return of Miles Bridges. Everything yeah. it with this franchise hinges on those two things. Because if you, from a basketball standpoint, there's been many conversations about what I think about Miles Bridges. I know you've discussed this as well in your own circles and in mm-hmm. on your media. And all across the fan base, whether it be fans, content creators, you know, people who follow the team, all the things, they've all said all of their things on Miles Bridges. But what happens here from a basketball standpoint, Miles Bridges, if he can be brought back on a reduced contract from what he was going to get and give you the type of production and numbers that he was giving you prior. And then on top of that, you add in generational talent in either, you know, Victor or Scoot, or even if you don't get one of those top two, you get a, I mean, they're going, they're going to get a top six pick, right? They're going to have a top six pick. And so even if you get one of those guys, uh, you know, Smith from Arkansas or, you know, Miller from Bama or, you know, who Whitmore from Nova, yeah, whomever you get, they're going to be a, immediate piece that you use and start hoping that that brings to fruition the things that you hope for this franchise this 2023 NBA draft because I stated this already Mitch really likes this draft that's why he traded Jalen McDaniels for that pick yeah because now this gives options because now the Hornets have two firsts one of them's going to land top six the other one's go- going to be the Nuggets, so it's going to be in the late 20s, all right? And then they have the second-round pick of their own that's going to be top 35. So what you can do here, maybe nobody's trading out of one. Whoever gets one is taking Wimbenyama number one. Yeah, But maybe you have somebody who – maybe you have a team or a franchise who's kind of on the, you know, on the edge there. With Scoot, maybe they like another guy close enough and you can offer that pick. The other first late from the Nuggets and then possibly the second, the early second as well, maybe you can move up to two if you really love Scoot that much. Say you land one or two and you get your guy. Now you can package your late first via Denver and your second round pick that's going to be top 35. And so you can take pick, let's say, 28 and 35 and move up to pick 
24 and get another player that you just love high yeah. upside, all of the things. And then all of a sudden you add all of those pieces together and you got something that you can be really excited about moving forward. You really and I hard think to- that's where it's, I, I think that's where it's going. I think that's where Mitch is currently mm-hmm. and uh, he better get it right. I, th- th- I mean, he's put all of his eggs in this basket. Yeah. He's putting them in, it, it seems, from his comments, that he's putting those in the Miles Bridges and that he's putting them into the 2023 draft. And all I can say is he better hit. Real quick on this, you, you've been harping on the draft. I, I agree. The key for the Hornets, they got to get one or two guys that can come in and contribute immediately because – Immediately. Immediately. Well, the book night pick they whiffed on, it seems like. Kai Jones is clearly two or three years away from being a rotational guy. And JT Thor is always two years away from he's always a year away from being a year away. It, it seems like it is. And JT Thor shown flashes, but none of those guys have been able to contribute immediately. So and, and that's what the Hornets need in this coming draft. I think you're right. A lot hinges on it. And they got to get dudes that can come in and play immediately for this rotation. Yeah, we can't be having guys spending time in Greensboro. Especially well, yeah. May, maybe with the maybe with the Nuggets pick. You know, yeah. maybe if you can't move up and you can't get the guy that you love and maybe you just take a guy that you really like and it's kind of, you know, developmental and they take one yeah. of those, you know. But honestly, at that point, I'd like to see a guy that's more NBA ready at that point with lower upside who yep. can come in and immediately impact the game defensively as like a, a defensive-minded wing. Yeah. You know, who maybe you can develop a three-point shot. That's what I'd like to see. I don't have any players coming to mind when I say that. Uh, mm-hmm. I need to delve deeper into the draft, and that'll be something that oh, you know, dude. we start doing here. Pete we got Nance. Months, right? Pete, Pete Nance, obviously. Get out of here. Get out of here. Okay, <laughs> Don't be bringing up Pete Nance to me right now. Okay? Don't be doing it. But you've got to hit on that top six pick. They yeah. have to come in and be an immediate rotation player, giving you at least, I'd say, 17, 18 minutes a night, good minutes, if not more. Hopefully you you get a guy that's giving you more than that. But it's got to be immediate impact. It cannot be any, long, any more of this stash in Greensboro. Develop, develop, develop. We'll bring them along. Hardy, har, har. No. You've done this. This is where you're putting it. You So Mitch Kupchak infamously stating over the weekend, once again, this will be the last time I bring him up, hopefully, that the Hornets can't, you know, draw in the big fish during free agency. And the Hornets can't make the big moves at the trade deadline. And basically saying that the only way that they can is by drafting well and developing well. And that's frustrating. That's the biggest thing that's frustrating because those are all avenues in which you can better the team. Yep. And he's essentially saying that I'm just not going to use two of them because nobody wants to come to Charlotte. Like, what? I'll tell you what would make people want to come to Charlotte if you have a better team. If you, if, have, if, a if, if you have a young core you know, that's competing. And maybe some guy's like, all right, I'm the piece that makes this team, you know, I'm the piece that gets them to a three seed. You know, like a star has to see that. And maybe they're like, I'll go here and be the number one option, number two option, play with a generational passer in LaMelo. I mean, you've got the pieces. You got some pieces. You're telling me nobody wants to play with Lamelo. I know it's Charlotte, but come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't buy that. I think, I think that's an excuse. I don't even think that's an excuse. I know that's an excuse. 
Yeah. There are three major ways to build a team. Free agency. Uh, well, I wouldn't say to build a team trade deadline. I mean, that's basically like free agency in a in a sense. You're trading picks and a lot of times, but it's an avenue. I wouldn't say yeah. it's a main avenue, but it's an avenue. And so by just immediately just kind of throwing that to the side and saying, well, we can't do go via these routes, so we have to go via draft and uh, development. Well, you better hit then. If that's yeah. what you're going to do, it better work. And so he has this offseason to get it right. Or like you said, I think it becomes a real question if LaMelo, you know, he. I know a lot of people's like, nah, he's going to take the money. I don't know. Yeah, I don't seriously. Know that. He's, really mark- don't. he's marketable enough as a superstar. He can make the endorsement money he, in a bigger market, you know? He can. And last thing I'll say, Hornets are due for the lottery. They're due after the Anthony Davis screw job the league pulled on us. Oh, and that's what I due. mean. They're due. I mean, come on. Come They're on. Due. I mean, LaMelo, Wimby, it would be box office. Everybody, there would be league pass darlings all over again. I know that's oh, kind of yeah. died, but it would be all the way back. Um, last it thing. We're going to do this pretty quick because we're running out of time. I got to get you to work in the morning, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but Mark Williams, finally in that starting center rotation, um, started three games now. Liked what I've seen. I think you've liked what you've seen as well, even though he's a dookie. I have. I have. When you start ranking your Hornets to be most excited about moving forward for the future, just kind of quickly, can you just give me like a one through five ranking? Go. Yeah. Number one, obviously, LaMelo, generational passer, great talent. I'm still the most excited about him. I think he's got another level or two he can get to, making guys better. I've got two and three are pretty close for me. I've got Mark Williams at two. He's shown flashes of an elite rim protector, lob threat for LaMelo off the pick and roll. He really fits well with LaMelo with that wingspan. And I think once you get past the growing pains, he's going to be a great starting center for years to come. I really do think that PJ is number three. The way he's played the last few games, I think they give him give him some money. Don't overpay him, but enough, you know, enough to make him stay. He's really shown me flashes the last few games. And then last last two, you'll like Dennis Smith Jr. is number four for me. I Woo! Dude, I'm telling you, he's looked good this year. As a young guy, he's only 25. He can be on the team for a few years and contribute. And then I got Nick Richards at five. I mean, eh. Like, he'll get back up center minutes. But as far as the young guys go, Nick Richards is more exciting than Kai Jones, JT Thor, or James Booknight to me. And that's horrible to say, but it's true. No, I got you. Uh, Mark Williams, the way that he's able to move on the perimeter defensively, I I feel like the big thing that always kind of – uh, that we grade centers on. A lot of people get caught up in the offensive game. Yeah. What really makes the difference between a quality center and just another guy in the league is what they can do defensively. And his ability to move on the perimeter, switch on to guards and be able to stay in front. We saw that tonight with Trey Young. Play on Trey Young. Yep. I was going to yeah. say. He switched on to him, got up, contested, blocked the shot, ran the floor, got the dunk to put the game away. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. But uh, Bryce McGowan's uh, not on your list. I, uh, we got to get Brycey Bryce on. on he, he's your at list. number six. He's at number six you, for you. what it's worth. For what it's worth. Yeah, I got you. I got you, Connor. Man, I've appreciated you being on. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, uh, Carter Cast. You can follow me at Carter Cast. That's our podcast we run. Do a couple episodes a week, and at Connor Sparrow on Twitter. Usually, where I'm the most active. You know, Hornets, Carolina stuff. But yeah, at Connor underscore Sparrow and at Carter Cast. That's where you can find me. Loved having you on, man. Appreciate it. We're going to have to do this again. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hive Hoops. I'm your host, Joshua Balta. Adios. 
Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by the League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops. Hoops.